0: Hello everybody and welcome to How We Grow, a podcast on everything growth. Today, I'm so excited to be speaking with one of my good friends, Crystal Hadi, who is a sign language interpreter and also a mental health therapist. She's going to be talking to us about how we in the hearing world can be allies for individuals who are hard to hear or deaf. Right, right, let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Crystal.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody who comes on. What does growth mean to you?
1: Mm. Oh, That is such a great question, and it's so cool that your podcast focuses on this. I don't think enough attention is given to different perspectives for that. Um, so for me... Growth means growing in humility. Um, It means being open minded to views, attitudes, and beliefs that are not my own. Um, It means growing in perspective, like opening up my perspective about other people in the world and how people uh, come to be how they are. It means being open to working to forgive, whether that's myself or other people.
0: Right.
1: Um, It also means uh, being willing to apply new lessons that I've learned. To be a better person.
0: Right, right. So how would you describe working in the deaf or hard-of-hearing community?
1: Um, I would say definitely, speaking of growth, definitely a growing experience every day, um, growing in cultural humility. Um, this community, the deaf and hard-of-hearing community, is not um, a community that I was involved in or had much proximity to growing up. Right. And so learning um, a little more than a decade ago that the deaf community is an actual group of people that are different than the hearing community mm-hmm. was completely mind-blowing to me. I had no idea that um, that they existed, to be quite frank with you, and it's been so great learning with, about the community. So i definitely just say that it's a growing um, experience for me and also very challenging um, as a person who is hearing being involved
0: in the deaf community okay thank you so much for sharing that so how did you find yourself in this particular community how you have said that you were not uh, exposed to it when you were younger so how did you find yourself in this community
1: absolutely so i found myself in this community um by hmm. Uh, School. So, in school, um, in my undergraduate program, I initially thought I wanted to be a speech language pathologist, Mm -hmm. and so I had been exposed to like some finger spelling, so the spelling of words on the hand. But that's about it. Anyway, so in my undergrad program, I was trying to apply to be a speech language pathologist, and I walked into the wrong building. Talk Mm -hmm. about serendipity and really (laughs) just God, because I walked into this. Uh, place and a professor told me about sign language and how I was in the wrong department I had no idea what that meant mm-hmm. um, so what I did is I took some classes and I learned about deaf history and deaf culture and I learned that this group was completely different than hearing culture mm-hmm. that they have been marginalized and still are being marginalized by the beliefs and attitudes of hearing people mm-hmm. that these deaf people less than. and I knew that I wanted to partner with this community in mm-hmm. helping them lift up um their beliefs, attitudes, and ways of living so that they can have equity too. So mm-hmm. that's my short story. So I got involved in um, the deaf community, my local deaf community, met lots of deaf people,
0: right.
1: um, formed some true relationships while also learning the language in school and learning how to interpret. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I fell in through the deaf community. And I'm so grateful that they let me stay there as
0: a guest. Right, right, so talking about deaf culture, how can you uh describe the difference between being physically deaf and being immersed in deaf culture?
1: Absolutely, um so being physically deaf really focuses on the ear. It's um more of a medical model, I guess you can say where you focus on what you can't do, but focuses on the ear and being able to hear and how much you can hear as a way of moving through life and adapting to um American hearing culture and what uh, being culturally deaf means and that's what the uh, uppercase B uh, to signify that it's culturally deaf it means it's not just focused on the ear it actually doesn't focus on the ear at all it focuses on being able to use sign language Mm -hmm. it also focuses on the experiences that a person who is deaf who is medically deaf um, experiences throughout the world so basically being discriminated against um, because they cannot hear being forced to learn how to speak being forced to get a hearing aid or a cochlear implant, um, the isolation that somebody may experience in school, but it also, and it also focuses on um, the things, too, a community built around a visual language, a community that has been resilient um, in learning their own language, their own beliefs and practices, and building their own schools and ways of living and trying to bridge gaps with the hearing community as well. So really being culturally deaf looks at um, really centered um, being part of a linguistic, which is a sign language, a linguistic and cultural minority group um, that has been marginalized and and different than um, being in the hearing community.
0: Yeah. Right, right. So for instance, I do not know how to sign language whatsoever. Um, So what would be the best way for me to communicate with a person who is deaf or hard of hearing?
1: Uh, Because the deaf and hard of hearing community is not a culturally, well, it's not a monolithic group. Mm -hmm. Um, The best way to communicate with someone who is deaf or hard of hearing is to basically let them take the lead. Um, a lot of times when we meet people from different cultures, and especially deaf people, we, we or a lot of people are completely shocked. They freeze, and they want to flee. They don't want to communicate. They start trying to speak loudly as if that will help their pointing across, and that's not the way it works, right, even right. though we've all seen people do that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the best way to communicate with a person who is deaf is to let them take the lead. That They may want to text back and forth, they may want to gesture back and forth, or they may slowly start signing to you and trying to get you to understand through gestures and signs, and it's basically instead of taking that pressure that we may feel internally that anxiety and that fear Mm -hmm. basically taking a a deep breath and letting them take the lead and not running away but actually trying to communicate with them in the way that they lead you to
0: Mm -hmm. I know like recently even for a long time there's been a call for hearing individuals to have some sort of um, you'd say some sort of uh, a skill of sign language how would you say uh, would be a good way to encourage language, sign language development among hearing individuals?
1: I would say that, hmm, That is a really great question. There are a few things I would say, but I guess well, first, I'm going to preface this with the fact that I am hearing. I'm not deaf. I'm not a heritage user of sign language, meaning I didn't grow up using this language. I do not have any family um, who is deaf or who use sign language as their primary um, as their native language. And so speaking from a privileged perspective when I share these um, things, because I'm not a member of the deaf community. I'm Mm -hmm. only um, a guest of their community. So I will say that Number one is um, meeting deaf people and letting them teach you their language and their culture and their ways of living and learning to respect that. Mm -hmm. I would say another way is um, in local politics and things in your area, it's people actually um, encouraging. American Sign Language to be one of the languages that's taught in school, and not just in hearing schools, but also in deaf schools as well, because our curriculum on uh, state as well as national levels does not encourage sign language being taught as um, it may be there as a foreign language as an elective, but it's not there as something that's mandatory and not even for deaf people. So, honestly, a lot of hearing people Mm -hmm. have more access to learning sign language than deaf people do, which is unfortunate because it's their language. Mm -hmm. So, I guess um, my point would be to center the community and so find your local deaf members of your community mm-hmm. and sign up for a sign language class or something else you can do is sign up to be taught um, by deaf people. If you find a deaf person and want to teach you sign language, help with some of the economic deafness there and pay them a fee to tutor someone to learn the language or hang out with deaf people or volunteer at deaf events. So, again, a lot of my, I guess, encouragement for learning this language is. Connecting with the community and making sure that we're centering them in addition to taking a class at your local, um, at a local community college or a school. There's some in high schools and things like that.
0: Right, right. So when you're looking about uh, when you're looking at um, learning sign language, will that be a universal um, language or there are different types of sign language that an individual can learn?
1: That is such a great question. Um, That is something that I thought as well, that sign language is universal at some point. And as I learned more about the culture and the people and the language, that's when it really hit me like, oh, sign language is a visual language. Every country has their own sign language because it's based off those cultural beliefs and those practices and those things. If you go to a different country using American Sign Language or Whatever country sign language is, Canadian sign language, mm-hmm. the people there, the deaf people there may not fully understand because it's based off of their cultural signifiers, what right. they see, what they've experienced, their beliefs. Right. And so, just like, for example, I'm going to make a parallel here. Just like English is pretty well known by, and even if it's not well known, like a second or third language in another country, most people recognize some English words. Wouldn't you say? I mean, in other countries?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so that same, um, I, I don't even know if you want to call it privilege, that same supremacy that's mm-hmm. here as, like, people, like, from America have and what their English language being everywhere in a lot of cultures and things like that, or that being the main language at a lot of business meetings that mm-hmm. are international, it's kind of like American Sign Language in a way. It's not as popular, but a lot of countries know American Sign Language from that same supremacy perspective that um, people know English um, in other countries. And so even though American Sign Language is founded from uh, French Sign Language and British Sign Language influences the, the formation of American Sign Language, each country has their own. And mm. there is even something called international sign language. So mm. I do not know international sign language. I know some of the signs, but I don't know the actual syntax and the way it's used, but it's beautiful. Right.
0: And so, um,
1: no, there's not one universal Uh, sign language, but there is um, an integration of some sign that's known as international sign language. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's that.
0: (laughs) So I presume there are different accents, of course, in signers from different regions.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, 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 definitely. So different regions have different accents, so that may be a non-manual marker, which is basically facial expressions um, to make it very simple, to simplify and make Help everybody understand. So, American Sign Language Grammar is on the face and on the body. So, it's the way that you use the body, it's the way that you use certain facial expressions, there are certain markers on the face, whether it's with your mouth wide open or mm-hmm. closed a little bit, or your lips pursed and eyebrows furrowed. Those things signify. Um, different punctuation and markers. Well, the same way that identify that. The same way that some people may sign certain things. Maybe it's with a different facial expression. Maybe it's with a different palm orientation. Perhaps it's a completely different sign in general that only people from a certain area know because it's mm-hmm. only in their area visually. Right. And so there's a lot of yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of different dialects. I guess you can say yes, dialects and sign language.
0: Dialects, nice. So is it difficult to learn sign language?
1: Um, I think it's like any other language. The older you get, the more difficult it is to acquire the language. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. I will say that it it's not impossible, obviously, to learn the language, but it can be a bit difficult um, because the way that we use spoken languages is linear. We speak, we hear it. It's a linear language. What American Sign Language it uses space and it builds, and so it's a okay. different. It's a different way of thinking and looking at language and looking at concepts and looking at the world. So in that way, it's difficult because you have to switch from your normal way of looking at the world of viewing concepts and um, and change it over to something completely different. So in that way, it, it can be challenging, but mm-hmm. it's definitely such a fun and beautiful language. And to look at the world that way for even just a moment, to be allowed to look at the world that way using Deaf people's
0: language, American Sign Language, is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I know that it's a very expressive language and it's regarded as a 3D language. So I'm curious to know, with the spike of the use of video relay, uh, relay um, interpreting, how has that um, acted as a barrier or even maybe as a benefit in how you interpret?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, video relay um, service as well as video remote interpreting. So VRS, which is how deaf people make phone calls to hearing people and how hearing people call deaf people mm-hmm. through video relay service, VRS. And let's use this as an interpreter as the operator, so the interpreter can go between because the interpreter can see the deaf person and hear the hearing person, so they interpret with the phone calls, right. and then video remote interpreting video VRI) where you're on Zoom or some other kind of platform, um, and you're interpreting something that's happening in the same room between two people, so a classroom or doctor's visit or something like that. Well, because of COVID, um, there has been a, a huge need for more. Um, interpreting services for video remote interpreting as well as CRS. So because more okay. people are home, they're making more phone calls and more meetings. And that's a great surge, and it's great that technology has advanced so that there can be interpreters to um, make communication happen between hearing and deaf. However, the time language, as you mentioned, is a 3D language. Being on a screen makes it 2D. Because mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is it's more difficult to use you space your body and take in the visual information around you in mm-hmm. order to interpret or in order to pass along a message and that can be very frustrating um, for a lot of deaf people because um, if you're sitting, for example, if you're at a doctor's appointment about, I don't know, some invasive surgery and your interpreter mm-hmm. is on a computer screen and your doctor is in front of you in the room Trying, you're trying to pick up on information that's not there. You can't see the doctor that well. You may not be able to see the person. There's also very well because of, I don't know, connection issues, and also it's a 3D language, so you can't you can't really use space effectively to build, to say what you're, to convey the message you're trying to convey, and that can make it more frustrating um, for the interpreter mm-hmm. or the best consumer as well because they're the ones that are not, is not getting full access to the information. And um, it can also be a frustrating experience for the hearing person, too. Um, but definitely, um, it can be a challenge, although this is great that technology has the best so we can do this. It's just, a, it can also be a limitation. And a lot of deaf consumers that I've come in contact with prefer an interpreter in person versus on the iPad or computer, right. if, if possible.
0: Right. Awesome. So how can hearing individuals be allies of the deaf or hard of hearing community?
1: Well, um, hearing people like myself and like you and other folks can be allies by um, being by not being afraid to communicate with deaf people just because you don't know sign language, by being willing to learn the language, by not pushing a medical model of you need to have hearing aids unless the deaf person opts to get hearing aids themselves, by not pushing deaf people if, they have, if you have a deaf child or adopt a deaf child to go and learn how to speak, but how about the parents learn the language, the visual language, the one that's easier to acquire, and exposing children to their language often and frequently versus forcing them to speak or forcing them to hear. It also means looking at economic justice and um, actually investing in this community and not just saying that English is the only language being taught in school or even for deaf people just teaching them English, but also giving them access to their own language and linguistic structure and grammar, because hearing people, like I mentioned before, have more um, access to learning deaf people's language than they even have learning their own language, which is really sad. It shows the amount of privilege that we have as English speakers and people who can hear. Um, Mm -hmm. It also means um, learning more about the community and realizing that everybody's freedom it's tied to everybody else's. <laughs> mm-hmm. and in the sense of it's not just about liking the subject or thinking sign language is beautiful or that's so cool that you use sign language, but realizing that that the things that deaf people are fighting for and they're continuing to fight for feel marginalized and there are a lot of inequities that exist. If you look at the data, statistics when it comes to education, language, mental health care, incarceration, Mm -hmm. and the list goes on. Mm -hmm. So looking at and taking a look at being interested in not just how beautiful the language is on the outside, but looking at the inequities that exist and being more as a, um, as people might say, a co-conspirator. And so basically realizing that their success and their lives are intrinsically linked with ours as well, Mm -hmm. as hearing people, but as a person in privilege using our access and the information that we know, and if we use the language, using it for the good and uplifting um, the, the um, demands of the deaf community and helping them meet their needs in that way as them as the leader.
0: Right, right. So how do you see yourself or where do you see yourself as a sign language interpreter, as a mental health therapist, let's say in the next couple of
1: years? Well, in the next couple of years, I really hope to. I mean, I will always continue to work with the deaf community um, mm-hmm. as an interpreter, but also as just a person. And so, I see myself partnering with different members of the deaf community, um, doing research and work within the mental health field that helps to um, that helps to decrease the gap in inequities in mental health service care and the treatment of deaf people in mental health services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I hope to be doing that. So just, you know, research, centering the community, and doing the work to, um, yeah, decrease the inequities that exist there. And I will continue to be a, I don't know, I guess, uh, just someone to help continue to bridge the gaps between
0: the
1: community, the hearing and deaf, but also while centering um, the deaf community and its members, and not focusing so much on hearing people and um, our needs, but really their needs.
0: Right. Thank you so much, Crystal, for being a guest on my podcast. I am so excited for what the future holds for you and what kind of growth you see just as an individual but also as a resource, as a bridge, as you've mentioned, between the hearing and deaf hard of hearing community. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me and thank you for the work that you and this podcast are doing for the world. We appreciate it.
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Alright everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope that you learned something on how to be an ally to the hard of hearing and deaf community. Remember, growth can happen anywhere, like simply walking into a wrong department and discovering a whole new language for yourself. You can grow a wider and even larger circle of friends with people with a different language from yours. And that language may just be sign language. So join me for more episodes on how we grow. Many thanks to Waterboy for the music. And before you leave, please remember to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And follow the podcast on social media at How We Grow Today. All right, get out there and experience your growth. You have been in conversation with me, Kombe on how we grow. Catch you later.